welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by 3M and PPG. Welcome to PCA Today, Lauren. It is great to finally meet you. I don't know if you know this, but when you were asking questions on our Facebook group or on social media about Expo, I was the one that sent a fury of replies to you. And that's when I, <laughs> that's when I got my social media revoked at PCA. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I like the fun fact. That's awesome. Yeah, because I wanted you to get a a good picture of everything that Expo is all about. And I know that this was your first year, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But tell me about your background and how you got into the painting trade. Okay. Uh, Yeah. My background, briefly, is... um, my career is mostly in is journalism and writing and you could kind of say athletics. Um, I played uh, volleyball through college and then coached. And that was kind of like side things that I, I did while also studying journalism, worked for newspapers when I was um, right out of college. And then when I got married and having children, I continued to write as a professional editor. Um, I did some op-ed writing for some newspapers, um, various things, blog writing, ghost writing, speech writing, you kind of name it. I've, I've kind of dabbled in it writing wise. And what got you interested in writing? Is it something that you were always drawn to even like in, as a child in middle school? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wrote stories since I was little and just wrote about everything and wrote crazy stories and would like tape them all on my wall and um, make little books and write poetry and just everything. And then was in some poetry contests and speech contests and submitted things for publication, probably in high school. And then um, in college, I don't, I, I don't even know. I mean, I probably fell into it at some point that journalism was kind of fit my personality, fit my interests. Um, I'm definitely a dabbler and journalism allows you to kind of do a little bit of everything and kind of try on a million hats and get inside people's heads. Um, you know, I got to be on the scene, you know, hours after some you know crazy mur- murder when I worked in East Texas to being in the mayor's office in DC, interviewing him about, you know, politics there, um, to, you know, doing a feature on a, a baker who um, is known for his Italian desserts in Ann Arbor, um, just all of the above. So that, that for someone who's not a specialist, I loved, I love, I love that part of it. You know, uh, Katie Couric, uh, who used to host the Today Show, said that she has working knowledge, like very surface level, on a whole range of topics. But don't try to grill her too much. But <sighs> she, like you said, has kind of done it all to a certain degree. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, having a successful journalism career, how did you pivot into uh, becoming a business owner in the painting industry? Yeah, well, um, my family life kind of will also puts some of my career movement into perspective. So once I started having kids, we have five kids. And so basically for a decade, I was sort of doing babies and toddlers. And, um, and so my, my work was very part-time from home remote. I had a few writing clients, uh, project-based and, um, so it, it wasn't real high speed in the sense of like, uh, you know, how much time I was spending on it. Um, and then as my kids got older, so now they're between the ages of four and 12. Um, and we moved to like, basically our, our dream town, which is Hillsdale, Michigan, which we love. And, um, I, my dad and, and my family on my side is, uh, they're business people. He was an entrepreneur as something I've a love that I've always shared with him and been very fascinated by. So I, years ago, I started really brainstorming business ideas. And that was just kind of like a hobby of mine. Um, like all the different businesses I could start. And in the last couple years, it got a little more serious. And my husband's, his own career uh, as an attorney, um, had some changes that kind of opened the door for me to maybe take on more like on the work side and his life was more balanced so he could sort of be home more. Um, so that's kind of it, but I, I'm not a huge planner. So to be like, totally honest, I, I also just kind of go after things as the doors open and um, that's that's really my entry into the paint trade is that I I was not planning this big endeavor. I knew I wanted to open a small business. I was analyzing my demographic. I live in rural South Central Michigan. Um, we I live in a city of eight thousand people. You can't just kind of like open a business and have like foot traffic. So I knew retail was definitely out. And um, we own a, we own our home outside of town. We ended up not selling our home in town that we moved from for various reasons. And so we have a family who was running for us for the last year there. So I owned two homes and had a lot of um, home service needs. And so at some point I kind of went like, I think I want to work in the trades. I think that um, there's some parts of this that I can do a lot better. I'm really fascinated by it. Um, uh, and I have always enjoyed working with my hands and being really active and being kind of, uh, I don't really want to sit at a desk. All those things kind of work together. And then um, last, about exactly a year ago, I sat down with our local uh, paint contractor, who's Steve the Painter. He's been the painter here for about 30 years. And I just was literally just took him out of coffee and just said like, Hey, I'm kind of thinking through business ideas. What do you think about me, you know, starting a paint company? Like I, I, I had no idea what he was going to say to that. I was really just, I'm a curious person. I want to pick people's brains and I find it valuable whether it's something I'm going to like get into or not basically. And he was like, absolutely. Like he was so emphatic that this was a great idea. 
And I mean, mind you, I have no professional painting experience before this point. Um, and so I really credit him for that reaction. You can imagine there could have been so many reactions to this question. And, and he was, just, he was just like, absolutely. This is great. <laughs> you should definitely do this. And, uh, and then he, he helped me get started. He said, as you know, so I went out to the job site, he was trying to retire, had kind of officially retired. Everyone kept calling him. There's no one else to call. He kept taking little jobs kind of out of guilt and like obligation to old clients. And the guy's like 74 and just really ready to take a break. And so I think it was just a, it was just a nice, um, I think he truly saw that someone like me could help fill some holes in demand. And he's an open person who's like, I'll, I'll teach you what I do. So I went on the job site like the next week with him and began mudding drywall and painting brush and roll and asking him a million questions. And the week after that, so, you know, I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, let me kind of just like get into this, see what, you know, see what this is like, think about it a little more. But the week after that, he said, you've got to call this painter. She's really talented and she's looking for a job. And I sat down with her and that was really the thing that sped everything up to kind of a crazy level of jumping in was that she needed a job. She was really talented. I liked her a lot. And I kind of was like, I think you should come work for me. I think I should just form a paint company. Um, and that's, that's how it got started. <laughs> so let me kind of unpack this a little bit. And I actually want to go back. What were some of the, the, um, businesses that you had on your, your short list? Um, obviously painting was one of them. What were some of the other entrepreneurial dreams that you had listed? I love this. You're going to, I mean, yeah, this is so good. This is like on the record because it's, <laughs> it's going to sound insane. Um, the probably the 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 one that came the closest was opening a donut shop, um, and again, not because I have some. I mean, I love donuts. I'm I'm a good American. I I I'm think it's a very important food group. Um, but uh, it was more that I live in this little rural midwestern town, and we don't have a donut shop. So again it was because I know my town and I know, and I see what's missing and I like to fill gaps. So, um, so that, that was probably the best candidate, but over the years, um, I mean, I, I, it, I'm not even sure I can think of all of them right now. The one, the, the probably craziest one that I pretty seriously researched was, um, cadaver storage. And there's like a demand for basically a place for dead bodies to kind of wait between maybe they're um, maybe they're waiting to be buried and do like a funeral process or they're waiting to get to from, you know, to go to research. Um, <laughs> so that was that was probably the weirdest one <laughs> with all of these ones that you were researching. Did you actually you know, meet with experts in the field the same way that you met with Steve or was Steve the first one that, um, said yes. And that just kind of opened up all the doors. 
Um, no, I had, I had definitely done serious research on several other fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had actually, my husband and I had put in a pretty complex bid uh, to purchase a historic hotel in our area um, that was up, was available through some state grants to be renovated. So we had really, really considered um, and actually kind of went for the, the possibility of having a multi-million dollar renovation and run a hotel, a small boutique hotel. Um, so no, we had, I mean, I walked down the road a few times with some of these things pretty, pretty seriously. I mean, at least research and talking to some people in the field about what that would be like and that kind of thing. It sounds like it was kind of like a perfect storm of um, someone that was ready to retire, take you under his wing as mentorship, which I think is awesome. How is that compared to some of the other things that you researched and even journalism to some degree? Um, Did you find this experience to be more welcoming as far as let me show you everything or answering every question as opposed to in some industries, I find people want to keep all their secrets and they don't want to tell you things. Uh, Yes, I would say combination of people like Steve who um, are cheering on good people being in the trades. I think that's true. Um, And then, but the other factor that allowed me to just jump into the deep end and go absolutely crazy in this business was that the, the demand is not even close to being met here. So we, you know, I wasn't in a market where I had to get kind of, you know, get myself together and, and have it all figured out or else I couldn't compete. There's no, there's no competition. So, I mean, we were working in a customer's home within three weeks, two, three, three weeks of forming you know, paint company. And we were learning on the job. I mean, we weren't, we weren't like, uh, we weren't like kind of saying that out loud to the customer. We were doing good work, (laughs) but we took a long time. We definitely lost money on it. Um, but I knew we were, we would. Um, but so something between, um, just the, the, the ability to jump into the paint trade it's just like there's very few hurdles, uh, for better or worse, right? I mean, you can kind of pick up a paintbrush and kind of call yourself a painter, and um, whether you're gonna like actually harm or help the, a customer's house is <laughs> always kind of still up for um, you know judgment. And then, um, and then, yes, I mean, Steve was the first of many welcoming tradesmen um, and women to. So that, yeah, I think that combination was powerful, but the, the demand is the biggest, that's what creates the most opportunity. Um, I, I mean, I was talking to customers within weeks of deciding to start a paint business who had been waiting for an exterior painter for over a year, two years. I mean, just like who finding, just finding anyone Wow. who would come out and see their house and actually give them a quote. So I think, I think I, I landed in my particular market 
I think it was the perfect timing. And when did you start? Uh, I opened Apex in May, May of last year. Okay. So you're not even a full year under your belt yet. We are not. We're about 11, almost 11 months old. Was it just you or did you have people already underneath you when you started? Yeah, I hired a painter from the very beginning. Uh, I trained with uh, Steve for uh, on and off for a couple of weeks, <laughs> like a whole two weeks. Um, hired Heather and um, pretty quickly uh, Josh came on our team uh, and Pretty quickly after that, I had a college student who was going to work for me for the summer come on. So all within about a week and a half, I had three painters. And um, I knew from the very beginning, um, my, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll share this and you can, yeah, you can decide if it's too big of a story, <laughs> but too long. Um my dad's legacy really in business, he was in healthcare, but the, the thing that he did that I saw that I could, um, I could mirror in the paint trade is that he, he was an incredible manager and he was an incredible person for people. He loved managing and collaborating. And, and he really loved setting people up for success. And I have that, that, that was handed down to me. Uh, I love connecting people and um, being connected and seeing, seeing their strengths and talents and seeing how with ingenuity and, um, and, you know, just kind of thoughtfulness, how you can uh, put them in a place where they can really shine and be their best and be really happy. He did this in healthcare, particularly by recruiting doctors who were working in their own companies, um, meaning they're just working on their own in their own practice. And he would recruit them to come work for him, which was difficult because doctors are not the easiest people to, um, to talk business with and to kind of convince of something that they think they've kind of got covered. Um, and so I, yeah, as I was growing up, I knew that, and he was, he was always, he's just so excited by his, by business, by good business, by, by the power of having great people on a team. He also was a college athlete. I think that that athletic, um, metaphor, it really, it, it does give you kind of a sense of the power of, of a team. We both played team sports. And, um, and so he would tell me about these like big wins where he would recruit some, some cranky doctor or surgeon who thought he had it figured out, but it was really struggling to run his own business because he's not a businessman and how he was so happy working for my dad in this, um, you know, sort of practitioner group that's associated with a big hospital. We were out in Phoenix. That's where I grew up. And, um, and he would just kind of like be so proud that he kind of hooked this guy. And then he set him in a, a place where he was set up for incredible success more than he'd had on his own and surprised him by the fact that he was making more money 
And he was also happier. His the quality of life was higher. He wasn't sitting at a desk trying to work on um, accounting or billing. He was getting to be a doctor. He was getting to be a surgeon all the time. That's all he did. And he designed those employment experiences. So fast forward to 2021, when I'm kind of designing my business, uh, I just had the same I just had a lot of the same conviction that as I saw tradesmen in my house and working, um, I saw them doing things that I didn't think they really enjoyed these parts of their job and running their own business, um, had various levels of success trying to get a hold of them. So communication and my backgrounds in communication, I just always wanted them to have someone to answer their phone for them. These basic things that you have to have. And they're just trying to work like they're working on your air conditioner, but they're trying to answer their phones for a customer. It's like, doesn't make any sense. So for, right off the bat, I knew, although I needed to really invest in understanding the paint trade deeply, I also knew that I was not going to be, um, I was not going to be on the crew. And, and if I was, it was going to be for a temporary point of time. Um, or limited or, you know, some version of this, but I wanted to build a company where I find talented people. And, um, and at first it was talented painters, like they already are painting. They, they have that skill and they're, they're good at it and they don't have good employment experiences. They, you know, whatever it might be, the painters that I hire, a lot of times they tell me that, they, um, they, they've never been on payroll. Some of them, like they just get paid cash after a job finishes maybe. <laughs> and, um, they don't have protocols for like safety. They don't have contracts like employment contracts. Um, they don't always have work. They don't always work every day, even though they're a full-time, uh, employee or, or contractor, whatever, whatever situation they were in or whatever they called it. Um, and so when I, when I interviewed Heather, I mean, this was, this was what got me excited. This is where I really thought about my dad and his, what he inspired me to, to think about basically that there are not enough good managers, people who love people and love setting them up for success and caring for them giving them great jobs and then allowing their success to benefit the whole company. Um, I sat down with Heather and she looked at me across the table at this coffee shop. And I mean, I can't ever forget this because it just caught me so off guard. And she just said, I said, what do you want in a job? You know? And she said, Lauren, I, I just, I want to work every week of the year as a painter. And I was just like, what, like, what are you saying? (laughs) Okay. And she's just like really seriously telling me, like, I, I want to work the whole year and I want to be, I want to, I love painting. It's my, it's my favorite thing to do as a job. And I want to do it the whole year. So this told me that although she'd been painting for almost five years, her employment experiences were, they were, they were super subpar. I mean, they were, I don't know all of what they were, but they were like, there was no stability 
in her jobs. So that's, um, I'm trying to remember what your question was. That's, that's why. So when you said, you know, did you start painting? And Steve was a little shocked by this because he doesn't, he didn't know my sort of company vision. And I had it really early and he was surprised. He was like, well, you're going to paint every day. And I was like, mm, I'm going to learn this trade and I'm going to really, I'm a, you know, I'm a researcher. I love learning new things and I love um, getting into the nitty gritty of chemistry. And um, I love being high on ladders. I was the first one on our like catwalk platform way up in the air last summer when we first bought it and had it shipped to us. Um, so I'll get in there like no question, but I knew I'm going to run an amazing company and we're going to provide incredible customer service and employment experience. And we're also going to provide painting. So that, uh, now that language, I didn't, I didn't really fully capture till probably around December where I really, I really got it. I really got that. I, I run a customer service business, um, with excellent employment experience and we offer painting. And I think that like you, you're really hitting on a few things. One, as our uh, board chair, Jason Paris says is, you know, right now it's kind of the wild, wild west. When you think about the painting industry, it hasn't had its renaissance in terms of professionalization. And so bringing that expertise and just the fact that you're going to be able to give someone a job where they can work year round is life changing. And that's, that's the threshold. You can do nothing but succeed, right? And the other piece that I find interesting is that you did have this very clear vision of, okay, if I have to work in the field, I'm going to do it for a little bit just so that I understand the tools of the trade and how the process is done. But you had this very clear vision of that's not my purpose. My purpose is to manage people, provide good customer service, and empower people. And so I'm so I kind of want to break that down in terms of, did you have any, you know, deviation from that or feel like you might have to deviate from that vision or have you been completely straight and narrow on that path? No, I've the vision at its foundation I've had since the very beginning. Um, and I don't think I, I honestly don't think I could have started the company without it. Because if I thought I was going to be the lead painter, um, I, I don't think I could have made that work. I would have had, I, I would have definitely had to go work for another paint company. I couldn't have just, I'm not a lead painter. I'm still not a lead painter. And it's, it's very presumptuous, isn't it? To think that without any experience, you could be the best at something that someone for has sure. dedicated their whole life to. Absolutely. So I knew, um, I knew that really, again, and I'm thinking about my dad. So he wasn't ever a doctor. He wasn't a surgeon, but he got to know those worlds. Um, he, he knew, he understood those worlds extremely well. Uh, and he set them up so they could do it. And that, that's the idea is like, um, I don't need to paint to set painters up for incredible success. And really, if I was on the crew all the time, I could not set them up for that, that success. Um, I, the, the deviations would be first starting out, um, 
needing to, you know, make sure we finish a job in a certain margin and knowing that I needed to go do estimates, go to my desk and work on payroll and, and uh, bookkeeping and accounting and paperwork, and then head out to the job and give my crew four hours of my hard work so we could move the job along and get it done. Um, especially final days of a job where, you know, we knew we needed to kind of wrap up. Um, I mean, I, when I'm on a job site, I jump in with whatever. I'll, oftentimes I just do like the crappy jobs, like sweeping. And because I also know, you know, I have to show my team members that I support them. I'm not, I'm not a big deal. I'm not the big painter and I cheer them on because they're doing the, the most difficult, precise, technical, um, you know, setups and rigs. And I'm, I support that. So I'm not going to come in and be like, I need to do that cut line. Um, no, no, no. You're doing that cut line. You're really good at this. Like I'm the, I'm your cheerleader. Um, and then other deviations we had, uh, actually a good, good example of one recently was we had a customer, um, we had a little bit of expectation problems. So maybe, maybe some things were communicated. I'd say she was maybe a little bit, um, if you want to say high maintenance, um, I could tell she was unhappy. We'd gone over the weekend with our setup, like in most of her house interiors are just so intrusive. She was really worn out by it. Kind of upset about a few things. Um, I think my team had gotten some paint. We'd, they'd gotten some paint on some new hardwood floors. Of course I can get, it can come off. But I agree with her that that's, we could have prevented that. And so that Monday I came in dressed, you know, to paint and I walked her through the whole site. And I said, I need you to tell me everything you are concerned about. And she aired all of her concerns and um, kind of pinpointed or, you know, pointed fingers in a sense to particularly one of my crew members who I think had had kind of lost sight of some good customer service um, protocols. I thought it was totally reasonable. And then I worked my butt off. i worked a nine hour day on the crew that day. I painted, I cleaned, I scrubbed her hardwood floor on my hands and knees. Um, I knew that in that moment, I needed to help rectify what was going to end up being a very unhappy customer. I never had one. Um, we just don't do it. I mean, I'll lose money before I make a customer think we are a crappy paint company. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, but, you know, I was there for a couple of days helping finish up because I just wanted to be, you know, it's proximity. I knew there was a problem. My, my crew was nervous. Not all of it was all their fault. Um, a lot of them were working very hard and doing exactly what I was asking. But I knew when you have that customer service moment, you just like, you just lean in. It's like when you call, you know, Southwest Airlines and you're like, this is so messed up. This is what happened. Like, how can you help me? And they're like, oh, we're just going to give you this leg of the flight free. You know, they just like, they just lean in and just go, bam, like we're, oh, you've got a major problem and you're a loyal customer. Like we're going to just, yeah, we're just going to fix that. We're going to talk to you about the details. That sounds terrible. Um, so it ended up, she was, she was a happy customer at the end. I was very proud because I knew that wasn't actually necessarily possible. 
I knew all I could do was give her kind of my very, very hardest effort and be really humble, work my butt off, beautiful finish to the job. She had cabinets and most of her living space painted. It was gorgeous. And sure enough, at the very end, she said, I'm really, really happy. And then she didn't say anything bad about a certain team member, but she told me, named the other team members and said, they're really amazing. You should keep going with them. And, um, and actually the team member that she was upset about sort of left my company not that long after that. So it, it, it made sense if that makes, you know, it, it made sense how that sort of worked out. That's so there's my exception. And as you can see, it's not really about painting. It was really about customer service. But I also think too, that it sets a really good precedent for your crew members to see I'm not too good or I'm not better than you. I will come in here and help if need to, to rectify the situation. And the fact that, you know, the customer is not only pleased with the job, but, you know, talks about people by name and say, these people are amazing because in my opinion, it sounds like they step up because you stepped up. Oh yeah. They felt super supported. And, um, I tell my painters all the time, again, this kind of goes back to setting them up for success. If I don't communicate with the customer and, and clear, it's my job to create expectations. It's their job to execute the scope. But if, but if like, if they have a concern, I don't just leave it to them. Like, um, oh, I don't know. Just talk to the customer and see what you can do. I mean, maybe in certain circumstances, but the point is that the onus is on me um, so that they can do their job. And now they're not managing personalities and expectations. Um, They know exactly what they're there to do. They know that they can lean on me if they have a confusion and they have a a concerned customer and then I'm going to come in and they're going to keep painting. I mean, let's just be totally like bottom line here. Like they're going to, they don't have to stop doing that work for important customer service to be happening. Um, You know, I make, I do color consultations. I make product decisions. Uh, If the customer has a, a concern about a product or a color, like, my painters know, like you, Lauren wants to talk to you. Um, don't, you know, don't hesitate. Let me, let me get you in touch with her right away. They know that I, I take that. That's my job. And I, I do that so that they can focus on execution. Well, it kind of sounds like, you know, bottom line is in your company, everyone is uniquely qualified to do what they're supposed to do. And if you are not uniquely qualified, who else is? And so there's not a confusion of chain of command. And it seems like you've established that very early. I'm also very impressed with just the clarity and vision that you've had. Tell me some more things about this first year as a business owner that that you've learned and whether it be a a learning experience or, or something that has been a great achievement in this first year. Don't get me wrong. I am a, I mean... I'm in baby state. I mean, we're not even 11 months old. I have learned, I have done nothing but learn lessons this year. And, uh, you know, this phrase like fail quick, like it, this is me. I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid of risk. I like to get in there and do it, figure out what I'm doing wrong. 
And the more people who tell me, here's what you could do differently, the better. Um, it's been a very intense learning year, lots of ups and downs. It was not all, <laughs> it was, it was not all some easy dog in the park. Um, big lessons and things that maybe, I mean, but I, but as we've been saying, I mean, it has been, I, again, I don't think there's any industry, uh, in America where you could just like, you just launch this and then just have nothing but each day, each week, more success, um, gaining more knowledge, having more support, um, having more collaborative, you know, experiences, um, having more opportunities and the demand not going down in the least. I mean, I'm, I'm about to turn down two jobs uh, later this evening and just say, I'm sorry, I can't be at these jobs. We're just so full that um, I, I know right now to keep us in our wheelhouse and, and our wheelhouse is residential repaints. These are two new construction jobs and I've just done enough of it already that I'm kind of like until we're just like a little bigger and stronger, I just don't really have to deal with it. And residential repaint, as you can tell, and you can hear it from me too, you can tell I'm not a, our company's not this like, we're not the Aldi of painting. We don't fly in, keep it cheap and throw paint on the wall and hopefully like get it 90% right and fly out of your house. We're, we're white glove, we're concierge. It doesn't mean our prices are crazy. It means we're giving you a customer experience. If you want the lowest bidder, like we're never the lowest bidder and we're never going to be. Um, and I don't, I think there's a lot of room for that. Now, am I always getting my team to hustle and get our production faster? Yes. Are we always learning new techniques and new approaches so that we can do things as efficiently as possible? Yes. Are we constantly having to do, uh, you know, have project plans with margins so that our team knows they've got to move their butt every day? Yes. Um, so it isn't that we're taking it easy, but that is, um, that is what we provide. That's, that's what sets me apart. We're a big, strong team. So two things I bring, you know, and I tell customers this, I say, if you're going to hire us, here's what you're going to get you're going to get exceptional customer service from beginning to end. I'm going to text you, call you, email you. I'll do everything that I need to do to make sure you're, we're on the same page with you. Um, and you're going to be a happy customer. We just don't have unhappy customers. We just never have. And we don't have any interest in that. Um, the other thing we're going to bring is a big, strong team, which in my area, I don't know another paint team my size, including commercial. How many people do you currently have? I have four full-time painters and one full-time foreman coming on in uh, three weeks. So we'll have six and then I'll get, I have, I believe I'm doing interviews for summer apprenticeships and we'll have four, probably I think four summer apprentices who will come on between their school year end and start. Now, as you're building your crew, um, the, you know, the painting crew, are you also building out the back office as well? In time, yes. Right now, the office is, and the estimating is all me. And I have a plan 
I'm hiring a foreman who has particular experience um, that is going to be the first step toward my ability to start scaling at a little bit higher speed. Um, so when I get him settled and rolling, uh, I think I'm going to actually grow our team. And I have basically some plans for basically how many more full-time painters before I get an office uh, staff person. It sounds like it's been a very interesting year in terms of growing your business, making connections. What I kind of want to jump into next, though, is how did you come across the PCA? The year is not the year without the PCA. And I'm not, I am not saying that as like, I'm not blowing smoke. Um, I was probably, I mean, I began deeply researching. I mean, you have to understand, <laughs> like I hadn't had no prof professional painting experience, meaning like I hadn't even hired them. I did all my own painting um, for better or worse. Uh, I mean, I was literally like Googling the most basic things that you've ever heard of. So um, I got pretty familiar with the paint industry's kind of social media um, connections and platforms pretty quickly. And I probably was, I, I wish I knew the date because it was such a marker for my business. Um, I think I was three months in, maybe two, when I'm, you know, reading some posts, probably Facebook or Instagram. And I like, I'm seeing these people talk about like an and tagging Nick Slavic. Like, I'm just like this guru experience of like, and I'm like, who is this guy? So I, I immediately went to ask, um, ask a painter and began listening to his show. And I will tell you, I think I get the beginning. It was absolutely overwhelming. I did not know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like making notes like a college student, like, okay, what, what is that word he just said? You know, what is that product? Um, why did, what, what is that? Uh, and so, but I could tell that this was like, this, this was going to be the thing I, I would understand all of this. I had no question. And I remember the, the thing that sticks out. That's like the best part of this story. <laughs> and I told Nick this not that long ago that, um, I'm listening to like the first or second show I've ever heard from him. And somebody like writes in a comment and he responds, you know, come on guys. We all know that labor is never over 40% of your sales, um, price. And I was like, <laughs> like during the headlights, like 40%. I, <laughs> wait, that's the number. <laughs> I was probably at like 80, um, in my own, like instinctual, like, Oh yeah. How much could the rest of this really cost? Um, and so from literally that week, like I heard this and I had the wherewithal to just be like, I don't even know how this all works. I don't even know what makes up the rest of the percentage of my revenue. Um, I am going to keep labor at 40%. And I began that month, um, really the next month, you know, going into the next month, making money or getting close to it. And before that I was not. And, um, and so like, that was just this little tiny moment 
of incredible advice that is kind of perfect because even now, and, and I'm sure paint contractors who have tons of experience might also be thinking, uh, the 40, the 40% labor keeping that margin is, is actually like just absolutely core. Like you can't ever stop doing that. You can't just like, that's always being measured and assessed and talked about and figured and, you know, all of it. So, um, that was kind of the start. And then I, Nick Slavic talked about the PCA. I immediately, you know, went around the website and I just, I immediately saw, especially for me, the great thing about not knowing anything and being this insane person that I am is that I, I don't have any presumptions. Like I know, I don't know about painting. Um, I don't, no one has to remind me, like, you're not that good at this. Uh, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I really have to learn. So the PCA was like a no, it was a no brainer. I needed the PCA more than anybody. Um, I don't know what the heck I was doing. And I was running a business. I had 11 employees by the end of June because I decided to hire a bunch of college students and do a huge first exterior summer of work. It was a riot. We now refer to it as the daycare months. Um, it was, I mean, I'm just not a dip your toe in kind of person. So that, so I joined the PCA in like, as soon as I found out about it, I was like, no, this is whatever this $300. There's no way this isn't worth it. I don't know what I'm going to get out of this, but it's, it's more than $300 worth. But this is again, because I knew, I mean, again, I, I knew I needed it. I knew I needed it. That's why I ended up going to expo is not because I could definitely afford it. Although I got a scholarship, so then I I could afford it. <laughs> it was because I knew I needed this, and if I want to do what I want to do with this business, um, I have to invest. I have to invest in the right um, support and resources, and um, and community, and of course the PCA has just blown my mind with how much these painters deeply just pour into each other and share everything and, and kind of have all these healthy debates and, um, and ask questions, even experienced painters, just asking these great questions. And they, you know, I read, I read the PCA's, you know, painted group, other things like it, get on the PCA website. Um, the group, like the forums I read every single day and I find something that is useful for my business every single day, whether I can implement it today, usually not, but I take screenshots. Like today I took probably three screenshots of things that I said, this is going on the, I want to add this to my business list. For the people that are listening or watching that don't know, Expo is our annual event. It's at a different city each year. This year it happened to be in Orlando. And for companies, I think that we offered maybe 15 um, full ride scholarships to the event for you know people like yourself who are just starting out or whatnot. So I'm so glad that you were able to take advantage of it. What was your your overall thoughts of the event? It was an incredible event. Um, you know, I used it. Well, I wasn't sure I was going to go, mostly because I just didn't have the capital. And that's where, like, I love, I love that you are answering my social media question, which was kind of like, I mean, it essentially was like, this is super expensive. What are, what are you giving us? And you were like, 
Let me tell you. And I love that. I mean, it was, I, I was, I was, I don't know if I, I hope I wasn't rude, but I was kind of like, this is a ton of money. Like, what am I going to get from this? I was just kind of like struggling because everyone had talked about expo. And so I knew like, I want to be there, but like, is this just a party? Because I cannot pay this much money to go party with some cool painters. Um, I, it was not, it was not a party. It was incredibly useful for my business. And, um, I used it as a like business recalibration retreat. So I actually skipped the coolest like nighttime events, which was super sad because I forced myself to use it entirely as a time away from my business to rethink and analyze where my business was and what I needed to change and, and how I was going to do that. So it was, um, it was very intense and, um, a lot of information and I wanted that I wanted, I was, it was like a college, you know, college course in a few days, just tons of topics, lots of amazing, meeting amazing people who were all interested in the conversation of what are you doing in your business and how is that going? And let me ask you about this part of my business. This is what I'm trying to work on. Um, and I mean, I don't think anyone could benefit from the expo more than I did. I have more questions than everyone. And, and what's so great about this community is that, you know, first you're going to start off like yourself where you have all of these questions and it's like, you, you can't be satiated enough. But as you grow and as you get more experience, then you're going to find yourself in the mentorship role and, and being on panels and, and leading discussions and whatnot. And so it's so great to see this path of, you know, not only do you get from PCA, but you also have the ability to give back. And so all of the people that you met, like Nick Slavic, he was in your position at some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they, and they recognize it. And I met people who were kind of like, I was kind of like, what are you looking to get here? And they're kind of like, I'm here to, I'm here to be here. I'm here to see old friends and pick up some things. And you could kind of tell that, um, it was more of, um, this is kind of, uh, almost like a, almost like a celebration and kind of a reunion and kind of a, uh, an inspirational time that wasn't about gaining like necessarily the nuts and bolts. And that's also really important. I can't, you know, um, people are at different points in their careers. And even if they're having great success, they might be struggling with burnout and kind of what's next questions. Like I don't have any what's next questions, everything I'm, I'm in that I could not be having more change, more growth, more open doors. Um, I'm at a very, uh, super energized, lots of momentum part of my business. And so I do feel like there's something for them too. And I saw them and we talked about burnout at some of the round tables and I could see that they, they really were encouraged again, because of Pierce, because of people saying I was there. I know, I know what you're talking about. This is how, this is what I, how I approached it, you know, that kind of thing. You left the event feeling very energized and, and ready to go to the next level, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed since 
I didn't actually get to see you at the event. I was kind of running all over the place. <laughs> and I actually had to skip the Sherwood Williams event to get some sleep before the award show. <laughs> so I missed the big event too. But um, one of the things that I noticed when I got back into town was that you had made a post um, not just talking about how wonderful Expo was, but also you began using um, the training program that PCA has put out for your painters. And you were talking about, you know, as a member, you get access to it for free. But if you're not, this is how much, you know, of a value it is. So kind of walk us through integrating this training into your your system and your company. Pretty soon after I got back from Expo, I brought on two new painters who had some painting experience, but were actually um, full-time professional masons. And big surprise, or you know, I, I'm again, I kind of am I'm looking for these people, like super strong, decent human beings who had really subpar employment experience. The, not not the the trade itself, not the masonry work, but couldn't find someone to work for that they wanted to work for. Um, and, uh, you know, I showed them a comp, uh, uh, um, like a pay, pay plan. Like, this is what you can make here. This is a career you can have. This is where I can start you. Here's how, I mean, you're, you're smart, talented, um, tradesmen, like you can, who knows what you could do here. And they, I mean, I think they came on interested in painting. I think they came on more ready for a great job at a great company with great people. And um, so I had a real need for some training and I was ready for also kind of the, the, the terminology and language among my team to, to get um, more unified. So we do talk about industry standards and PCA, you know, related standards. And, um, but some of that sort of culture and language for, uh, how we kind of what we all know, we know that kind of thing could be increased. So between, um, yeah, between a foreman leaving the company, my new foreman starts in three to four weeks. Um, I decided this is the time. This is this little beautiful lull right before exterior season. Um, we made it through the winter. We're going to just really lean into training and kind of getting our team sort of bolstered up, like, um, you know, coming in from the front, strengthening up before we go back out. So we did a day of training on our laptops at a coffee shop and everybody went through um, a whole set of little courses with quizzes and certificates. And it was a great, my, my experienced painters and my new paint, you know, my new painters all went through the same thing again, so that we all know what we know. We all see what, what our new hires are going to go through. And, um, everyone's talking the same language. And this was the trade best practice series that you had them go through. That's correct. Yeah, that was um, I. That was my first project when I came to PCA. Was I worked on the trade best practice series? Yeah, um, it was it was crazy because I thought like I honestly was at a point in my life um, where I wasn't sure if I wanted to do video work anymore. 
And so I saw an ad for PCA to do, you know, the trade best practice series. I was like, oh, cool. I'll have a little educational series about my resume. And from there, all these doors opened up for me within the organization because it's not just craftsperson to craftsperson. It's the industry as a whole that is just so welcoming. And what you put out, they give back to you. And so I'm eternally grateful for everything PCA has done for me, too. Um, professionally. And, but now, you know, they've done the trade best practice series. Now they're working on the even more in depth level one, level two, level three uh, painter training. And those will be sectioned out into interior and exterior. So you'll have even more training that you can put your people through by the end of the year. I love it. Yeah. And we will. Um, I think, um, I think it's an incredible resource. Um, and painting is, you, you kind of have to make a call. There's, there's so many ways to sort of skin the cat in a lot of situations. And so every company has to kind of make a decision on kind of how we're going to do this. And I love how the PCA, first of all, gives you guidelines. Like here, here's how we recommend you do this because, um, that's, that's so necessary. It's so hard to come up with that on your own. If you're just looking out, unless you have, maybe if you have 25 years of experience, but then products have changed and, 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 you know, from standards to safety protocols, to the products themselves, the tools themselves. Um, I, I just, I appreciate that so much. And I want my whole team to really deeply appreciate it. I don't really care how long you've painted. I want you to deeply appreciate these industry standards, take them seriously and also be willing to learn and grow with your team. It's just not, it's just not a race of like, you know, I'm just a big deal because I've been holding a brush for 25 years. Like I, I commend people who have incredible experience. I'm amazed by talented tradesmen. Um, but at the same time, how do you welcome people into your trade if you're just like, good luck? Because until you're here for 15 years, you know, you're kind of not going to be worth anything. Right. That's right. And the PCA knows that people like Nick Slavic know that. And my company is designed to become a training ground. So we're not there yet, but we will, I believe we will have an apprentice year round program where we're bringing on people who don't have painting experience. Um, you know, and it's not hard for me to imagine because I don't have painting experience and I know a heck of a lot about it and know kind of some of the ingredients that you have to have. Um, and that's a big part of it. It seems to me is that you don't have a problem finding people. No, no. And that's, I mean, again, going back to, um, you know, what makes a good job. Uh, it's not all just like, um, you know, people, what do people want? And I'm, I'm very fascinated by when people say they can't, you know, a business owner says like, I just, I can't hire anyone. You know, I'm just kind of like, you gotta, you gotta self-evaluate. What do you, what do you, you know, what's going on? Um, what are you offering and what are you expecting of people? And the landscape has really changed. I'm like, I'm very much a millennial. I don't have any problem hiring millennials. I get 
that they are not all work. They're not all paycheck. Money is not as important to them. Um, a lot of times it's experiences and values and kind of what you're, what you're giving back collaboration. And then they really value free time. They value hobbies and relationships. Um, I, I don't have any problem designing my employment experience around someone having a quality life. I mean, I, I am this person. I had a business mentor before I started the company briefly. Um, he was a lovely gentleman talking to him about starting my own business. And then I tell him I have five kids and kind of about our schedule. <laughs> and he was like, you cannot do this. You cannot start a business. <laughs> He's like, just, you need to wait till you're at a time in your life when you have 80 hours a week for probably a year to put into a new business. And, um, I just, I just didn't believe him and I just kind of let him go like, okay, I thought, you know, we're not a great match, but thanks for all your advice. <laughs> um, I, I don't do not sacrifice family time, uh, Yes. The first six months, my husband and I, you know, we kind of knew and I kept reminding him and kind of, you know, asking for kind of his like continued tenacity because the first six months was, was a lot of time. And yeah, I did have to sacrifice family time, but I knew that was temporary as I got things, you know, I built it from the ground up. I didn't have a business. I didn't have, I didn't buy a business. Um, I made it. And, but I knew after about that time, now I just got to work smarter, not harder. I'm not going to work 80 hours when I have work time. I'm going to kill it. And I'm going to get the smartest people on my team. And I'm going to ask the smartest people every question I have. And I'm going to grow without learning everything the hard way and doing everything myself. I'm not going to do it myself. I'm going to delegate like crazy. Um, I delegate my bookkeeping, my payroll, um, my website design, um, all, all these things are things that I could probably figure out and I'm not going to do it because I know why I know the role I'm in and what my role is with my company, where my strengths are and how much time I actually have. And that this is, um, my success is only in the context of my family being healthy and happy and having their mom um, around and being really part of the business. It's a, it's a big, um, it's a, it's a bright spot in my family. It's fun. It's exciting. And it stays in its place. That's very hard to do. I'm not saying that I don't fight hard to figure that out. I'm saying that it just has to be something that you, you don't give up on. Yeah. I think that, you know, it kind of goes back to the whole clarity thing that I just think is this thread that I see with your story, especially in this first year, and that you are very cognizant of how working on a business and creating a business from scratch can erode at your personal life. And you put up very strict boundaries. And what that means is more fulfillment all around. And for some people, it takes years and years and years to get that. Um, I know I haven't mastered it yet. <laughs> uh, I I work way too much, um, and I I try to delegate to my team, but sometimes I I catch myself, and that is something that I'm definitely going to be working on personally. So where does that come from? Is it because you just have this sense of discipline 
Andrew and I have always had a very strong purpose and vision for our family. So, I mean, I really credit him with a lot of this, you know, when we got married 12 years ago, um, we had clarity then that that is always being reassessed and kind of redesignated. Um, uh, I think I, I, I'm naturally a person who I'm very fast. I'm, I'm never tired of trying to understand my own weaknesses. I really like to try to have a big picture and step away and understand why I do the things I do. Um, I, I also am not a, I just, I'm not a people pleaser. So people's expectations, like people think I'm, they, they don't like, you know, I've had people definitely question like, what are, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, were you teaching a journalism class um, at a college level a few years ago? And now you like hang out with painters. Um, why are you a woman in the trades? You know, all these things, like, I just, I don't really care what they think. <laughs> um, that help, that's helpful. Uh, sometimes that's hard to fight. Um, and then the other thing is, I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess just being really honest about who, who, who am I and why am I doing what I'm doing? Who am I and why am I doing what I'm doing? What does my day look like this? Um, if you don't like, if you don't like a part of your life, a part of who you are, like you have to be willing to look at it and like see all, you know, sometimes it's pretty ugly. Sometimes it's hurtful to realize that you, you really, you know, that I really suffer from being kind of ignorant of how I'm not doing this. Well, I kind of like that stuff maybe more than a normal person. I probably, I have a pretty high pain tolerance for, <laughs> for self-assessment. Maybe that helped. Yeah. I mean, you definitely seem very self-aware from a personal and a business perspective. So like when you reflect on this last year, what are, what are some themes or takeaways that come to mind about being, you know, first year business owner? It's not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's, um, it's really an adventure. And when I meet other small business owners, I, I see, um, a tenacity and a real kind of almost like a stubborn independence that I think you kind of have to have. Um, I think you have to be willing to fail and fall down really hard. And, um, and maybe, and just also know like it might not work uh, just because you give something 100%, 130%, 500%, just doesn't mean it's gonna like totally work out um, and really like get legs under it. and. Um, so that's part of it. Um, it's very adventurous. You really learn how to trust people and sometimes you get your trust broken. That's, that's happened in this first year. And I think your ability, my ability to kind of wipe myself off and keep, get up and keep going and really celebrate, really celebrate the wins and see how we're growing and not, not get stuck on like, wow, that was a bad, that was a bad decision. That was really rough. Like, I think I screwed this whole thing up. Uh, well, you know, um, that's part of, uh, 
that's part of doing something hard. You know, it's like, it's, it's like any new thing where you're, you're the curve is just really steep at the beginning. So you gotta just have like a ton of grit and tenacity and just like, know that it's not gonna, you're not going to climb. It's not an easy hill to climb. It's not going to get easy after two months. Um, and, uh, the PCA and Nick Slavic and other, other people who cheer are just, they cheer you on. They make you believe that I wasn't a professional painter, you know, 20 years ago, and I still, I can do this. I can, I can be a part of this and it's real. It's like legitimate. I'm not just like this kind of imposter. Um, that's huge. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how it would go if I didn't, if I didn't have that. So you surround yourself with those people and you seek after them and you be with them and you listen to them. Um, and you got to put the right people in your life and you got to just kind of shy away from the people who are just kind of skeptical. Like, I don't think this is going to work. I don't see how, I don't see how this is going to work. You know, people, I'm a visionary. I, I see things that I've never put into practice. I think I can probably do that. I see that in other people. I love that. I love, I love people's, the possibilities doesn't mean it all works out. You know, you can't know that, but I think, um, I put, I try to surround myself with people who, um, they have big visions and they're just kind of fearless and it's not because they're not going to fall down. If that makes sense. Right. And, you know, coming from, you know, your background in journalism and your the friend circle that you had in that world, how, how has the response been to you working in the trade? Journalism and writing is uh, it's kind of a, in a sad state. Getting published, you know, 20 and 30 years ago, it really meant something. And it kind of doesn't mean, it's hard, it's hard to figure out what it means anymore. So, um, and I think it's a, it's just gone through a lot of, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, uh, I'm not sure how satisfying it is compared to if you were a journalist in the nineties, um, or, you know, before that, um, I, 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 not to say it's not a good career, but no, I don't think you get this experience. I don't think you're surrounded by these kinds of people. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy tradesmen and women so much. I, I find them to be people that I relate to very easily. I like how real they are. The word I use is authenticity <laughs> uh, because I've always felt like in the corporate world, people are always trying to, in one way or another, sell you on the work that they've done or on themselves. Like it's the worst was LA, right? Where everyone seems to think that they know somebody. <laughs> and if you do this project for free for me, I'll introduce you. And that never happens. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. That's, you're right. That's, that's totally it. And it's really, it's really kind of remarkable, right? That you, that you get all these, all these people. And I continue to be amazed by the people I meet through the PCA and how they're people I admire just over and over and over and over again. And um, so it's a super exciting time to be in this trade. Like I, it's, it's absolutely blowing me away. Um, it, it's incredible. I'm going to ask you this question, but I already think I know the answer. Are you happy? Super happy. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you get to find a vocation that 
allows you to kind of exercise the muscles you were given. And that's why I wanted to start a small business. I knew I had, I knew I had these muscles and I wasn't, I kind of didn't get to use them yet. Kind of like maybe a little here, a little there. Certainly running a large family is kind of like being a, a business owner. <laughs> um, and then, so it's just like, it's an incredible honor. It's an incredible honor. And, and then to do it and like, you know, bumble through and somehow, you know, fake it till I make it. And then like, we got the, you know, for us, huge $200,000 contract to be the painters for the historic boutique hotel restoration. Actually, this is the hotel that we had put a bid on and on oh. actually buying and running to the center of our little city. It's um, beautiful. And I'm so glad that didn't work out by the way, really huge mm, 15, $20 million renovation project. Huge, huge for our little city. Um, we got to bid on it, which by itself was an honor. I was like freaking out that I got to write a bid to paint this, you know, uh, gosh, 20,000, 15,000 square foot historic space. That has just incredible work with a construction company that, you know, literally the GC just travels the country, picking the most exciting jobs he wants to work on. I mean, this kind of level of just craftsmanship and, and fine, you know, work and finishes. Um, so we bid on it and, um, and we, and we got to be the painters, like we get to do this. Uh, we get to like, you know, my kids already love this hotel, you know, from, you know, years and years, we'll get to walk through this and know that we, we've restored every single ceiling tile in the whole hotel by hand. That's what we're doing right now. What a full so, circle moment. Right. Isn't that cool? Isn't that just too crazy? And like, I've always been a cheerleader of it. I never, you know, I just really trusted that, well, you know, that wasn't. And then I found out who had, who had gotten the bid for it to, to own and restore it. And like, it was just a perfect, it's a perfect match. This is what they do. They restore beautiful historic buildings in the Midwest in small towns or small cities. And our city needs something like this so much. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still just in shock that we get to be a part of it because we are, we're young and we're, we're learning a lot. Um, but I think the GC and, and, and I guess others can tell that, um, we're kind of, the, we're kind of the right kind of young. We're kind of just, we're going to just work our butts off. We're going to do everything that's necessary. We don't have, we don't have any ego. <laughs> we're just, we're just there to do our craft the best we can. And, um, and, and I know that shows that's exciting. You know, it's a, it's an interesting, fun place to be, you know, and you can, you can hate being new at something, or you can realize that it's, um, it has some of the most, uh, sort of humbling and exciting moments, you know, ever. It sounds like you've had quite a first year. I can't wait to see where you go in the next year. And to see, you know, talk to you at Expo next year and see where, where you've gone. Also, hint, hint, you should submit for one of the industry awards because I think that would really take you to the next level. Cool. I love it. I love it. This will be this will be the perfect project for it because it's really, 
it's something. I mean, I think if I got this project in five, 10 years, I would be, I, I would be thrilled if that makes sense. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful opportunity. So that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Lauren, thanks so much for coming on PCA today. It was so good chatting with you and I hope you come back on the show again. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time and and providing this. Uh, I'm just, I'm so delighted. I feel, I feel so official. Right. (laughs) And then when you hear yourself, it's very NPR-esque, you know? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I've got kind of a deep voice already. So I'm going to like... That's right. I'm going to live like my NPR dream just for a moment. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.